actually have to stand still. Oh, that's not good for you. <laughs> take, take your Ridlin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's our intro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, making fun of Ridlin. That's good. That's be good for <laughs> making Your fun kids. of me. I do have ADHD. It's okay. Um, yeah, I don't even think they they use Ridlin anymore, do they? They use Ritalin. No, that can't be a thing anymore, can it? Why not? Drugs are legal. Why can't Ritalin be legal? Yeah, but Ritalin's got such a stigma to it now. As opposed to marijuana, which has never gained a stigma. Ridlin's what you, what you gave uh, in the 90s to the uh, junior high schoolers because uh, you didn't want them bouncing off the walls. So you just gave them Ridlin. And then they turned into... Uh, Me. Uh, here's a, here's a, a timely reference. Uh, Jack Nicholson in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> That's from like the 60s. I know. Wasn't it? He yeah. won an Oscar for that, though. Right. So they'll sell you stickers on the internet without checking any kind of qualifications. Um, and, and so I, I custom designed some that say voice activated. And so you stick it on the coffee maker and <laughs> stick one on a coffee machine. Uh, I got in some trouble at church. Uh, so what, do, you, what, what uh, do people just go up there and like uh, make me a cappuccino? <laughs> copies. Five copies. Water. Wad water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're almost as good as the for rectal use only stickers that you can buy in rolls of five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And what you just put them on like ballpoint pens? <laughs> uh, actually, I put them on uh, for when we're so one of the elders brought in you know all these like thermometers for COVID foreheads. Uh, I put out every single one of those. <laughs> that is great. Because I'm a grown-up. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh man, see, you got a you got a nice work environment there. Yeah, it's just, we actually it's do. just me here. <clears throat> Just playing jokes on yourself. Get so lonely. Who put those there? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's a joker. Oh, well done. Didn't see that coming. <clears throat> All right. Oh. What? I don't think I've read this in a long time. What's this? Elisha purifies deadly stew. What? That's not my chapter, is it? What chapter is that? No, it's right beforehand. Mm, I'm a busy guy, that Elisha. All right. Sounds like a crock, but let's try it. Hello, Internet. <laughs> we are the Uncultured Saints. I am Pastor Goodman uh, from Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas, and this is Pastor Eli Lito from Wheat Ridge Evangelical Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. No, no this can't Wheat be right. Ridge. Let's Wheat go and reevaluate the name Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Where's the church? It's easy to find. It's in the name. Just Google it. You'll get there. It's fantastic. It's, yeah, 
It's the uh, it's the only Lutheran church, LCMS, in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Dare I say, it's the only uh, LCMS church with the name Wheat Ridge Evangelical Lutheran Church. If I ever do a church plant in a town that's not Wheat Ridge, I really want to name it Wheat Ridge Evangelical Lutheran Church. Just, that would be great. Yeah. I know, and then I'm going to do a really bad job so that when people talk trash about the church, it, it, it'll, it'll come back around to you. You're welcome. I like that. That's the long play. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to ruin your career, but it'll be a good burn. You know, some, yeah, you can't break an omelet without uh, breaking a few eggs there. Uh, <laughs> oh, also, awesome. you're, you're presupposing that I wouldn't otherwise normally just do a really bad job. That's true. We all know that. <clears throat> Fair enough. Good. What are we doing? You're you're leading the show today. Uh, so what are we doing? I want to talk about a guy named Naaman. Uh, we're Naaman. in Second Kings chapter five, and uh, we're going to go uh, probably through about verse seventeen. But I don't actually expect you to read this on your own because I know that you're a lazy sinner. So we're going to talk about it all the way through uh, for you, the lazy sinner. Let, let's let's dive in. Second Kings chapter five. Uh, would you would you read me first? Uh, just verse one. Just verse one. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. It's interesting how they introduce Naaman. I, I, I really. I think there's something to be said uh, that of all the great things in the, the world about Naaman, uh, they, they are actually so impressive that that last little detail almost seems to be tacked on there, right? Because leprosy is kind of a drag, as I understand it, right? That's that's <clears throat> what I've been told. But no, I mean, uh, all jokes aside, uh, Old Testament, uh, even if all that we can really know, I guess, is is what we hear about in uh, for the nation of Israel, right? Um and you hear in Leviticus that, uh, yeah, if you're a leopard, that's that's no good for you. You're kind of cut off from the people and you're cut off from the uh, from the things of the tabernacle and the temple. And the same thing happens with the New Testament, too, right? The whole leper colonies and all that sort of stuff. So, Right, and this you, is even for the unfaithful, it's a drag. Because, um, well, leprosy is a contagious disease that makes your flesh rot and fall off your body. Which, even if you would have nothing to do with God on your own, like... Naaman, who is a, a Syrian, who, who is not a, an Israelite. He knows nothing of God at this moment. He, he just knows that he has a contagious disease where your flesh rots and falls off your body, which is why, like in the New Testament, the lepers all have to live together away from town because they don't want to infect their loved ones. And so they have to stand far away, yell out, unclean, unclean, so much so that when you see a leper, the first thing that you think of them is just, that's a leper. Or that's what maybe, I've had to do with COVID. Maybe just you. It kind of is. So it, it's, it's like it, it would be like in the heart of COVID, standing in the middle of your grocery store and taking off your mask and watching what everybody would do to you. They would run screaming uh, as if you were unclean, 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 um, unclean. Exactly. Yeah. So this is this leprosy is a big deal, especially because you know you can catch it and end up like him. So Naaman is introduced this way. Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because the Lord had given him victory. This is Naaman, who is a commander of the whole army of Syria, the one that wins battles wherever they go. This Naaman, uh, he, he is, is so impressive and, and so upstanding that this, this 
tag of leper gets tacked in at the end. Like, um, imagine how good you have to be at your job so that when you walk in the room, the very first thing people don't think about you is, wow, he has a disease that makes his flesh rot, fall off his body, and I could catch it. No, that's a, <clears throat> that's a good point. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that, that that's, like you said, it's tacked on at the end. Like, he's all of these things, but also he's a leper. He's so good at these things that the leprosy almost can't bring him down, except yeah. for the flesh rotting off your body. Except for the fact that it, it will eventually kill you. Kill him, yeah. Um, is there anything, I don't want to derail this at all, but this is uh, the first time that I've noticed this, um, just in reading it today. Uh, it says the Lord had given him victory, right? Yahweh had mm-hmm. given him victory. Right. Um so how should we how should we take that? Because As we're if gonna it's true. Well, yeah, but I mean we're gonna take that differently than uh than obviously Naaman, right? If if Naaman is this unbelieving Syrian who's a pagan and, and has Syrian gods, and yes, he probably knows of uh Yahweh, the Israelite God, but certainly doesn't follow him. Um how do we take uh Yahweh, the Lord, uh gave him this victory? Um In in what sort of way? Uh, This is a first article thing. This is God working inside of his creation, where uh, the same God in Matthew 5, for example, says he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good alike. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. And so you know where babies come from, that that God gives you babies, even though you know how the process goes. And we don't need to get into that because this is a high school podcast. But um, God also gives children even to unbelievers. God gives rain to unbelievers. God gives vocation, uh, even though they don't properly understand it. And you can you can sort of quibble over the idea of, of whether or not this is sort of a, a divine sort of calling. Uh, but God actually works even in unbelief uh, and unbelievers, excuse me, in his creation because he loves them and wants them saved too. You see, if God were to just give rain to the faithful, well, it'd be really easy to, 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 to find out who really believes and who doesn't. And I guess that's neat. And maybe there's, you know, a, an easier sell to an unbelieving world. But the thing is, God wants even those who would reject him to be saved so much that he gives them good gifts. Yeah, I think, I mean, you got that whole name it and claim it Christianity there or <clears throat> um, that if you really believed, you would be uh, better off and your life would be, be better. Um, but I, I, just real quick, and then I'll let you get back to it. But I think this also is it's an interesting thing that uh, we get to see that because uh, I think your your whole uh, your whole way of uh, uh, addressing this this uh, topic for today is uh, the fact that Naaman is this great man and sees himself as this great man. Right? Is is uh, anything that he's ever wanted to do and accomplish, he's been able to do in and of himself. And even in verse one of this chapter, we hear uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, no, it was even all of that was from Yahweh, even if Naaman didn't realize it. Right. And it's not just that Naaman thinks he's great, too. Everyone thinks he's great. So if we were to keep reading in Second Kings, uh, if we were to read, I, I don't know, um, verses 2 and 3 uh, and 4, verses oh. 2 through 4. Was, was 2 through 5. 2 through 5. 2 through 5. Let's just do it. I was going to get a drink of water, but... Fine, I'll read now, and get a drink the of water. Now the Syrians... Now the Syrians... I got on it. Now the, oh, okay, you do it. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord, 
That's a small L, not like the Lord, capital L earlier. Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, small L, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. This is how good Naaman is. He just walks into the king's room and be like, hey, I got to talk to you. Who gets to just, like, walk in and see the president? I guess if you're, like, the commanding general, right? Even then. Like, he just, this is personal business. Like, hey, I need you to do something for me. This is how good Naaman is. Uh, that, that he would just walk into uh, the, the king's room and, and be treated as if he were an equal. But more so, he, I think, actually backs it up. He is outwardly a, a just man. You, you kind of can start to see the measure of somebody not by how they talk to people they think are their equals or people they think are better than them. You can really actually start to see it in how they talk to people who they believe are beneath them. He sits and listens to, well, a nameless little slave girl from a foreign land talk about something, and he gives her enough time of day and enough respect to actually consider where this is coming from. Well, okay. Um... I'm just gonna push a little bit. Um, is did he now? Does he actually listen, or is he listening to his wife? And the wife heard from the. Either way, like I, I, you're right. He he does hear it from his wife, but at the same time, like this this is you have to understand that that he, he's willing to give the time of day to people who would otherwise not be heard, and you can you can maybe spin it in terms of desperation. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is he at the end of his rope? But I don't think he is because of how successful he is. Because he, he's still winning wars wherever he goes. And because, quite frankly, I think Naaman is actually introduced as Naaman sees himself. Um, meaning? And, and as he is publicly seen. Meaning he is everything first and a leper as an afterthought. That's something that's going to have to be dealt with. It's a drag, but... I don't believe that that Naaman actually loses a whole, whole lot of sleep because look at the life that he has. He has a family. He has a job. He has a great, great position. He's a celebrity. But at some point, he I mean, he does. If if, if that were truly the case and, and he had or, or fully the case, I, I, I'm not trying to hmm. uh, cut off everything you're saying here. Um, and he truly basically believed that this leprosy was uh, uh, a complete and utter farce and, and wasn't real, um, then he wouldn't go to a whole nother country seeking out some, some holy man. Oh, no, he's got to believe that it's real. His nose is falling off. It really hurts. Yeah, he, he's not sort of like a conspiracy theorist that says COVID's not real. He, he, he believes that it's a real thing. But, but at the same time, I, I think, though, that he's actually managed to escape the label of it. And this is, this is where this story is, is really kind of beautiful uh, for the people who know what labels are plastered on them. Like, as soon as you walk in the room, as soon as you walk in your church, you're always going to be the, the teenage one who got pregnant. As soon as you walk in the church, you're, you're the one who got divorced. As soon as you walk in the church, uh, you're the one who, who did that thing. If you've ever known how hard it is to escape a label, and you can see that Naaman has actually seemed to manage it somehow, you have to realize just how grand he was. And, and yeah, the leprosy is a drag. And, and yeah, it does have to be dealt with. So the thing is, though, he feels like he's equipped to do it. Because as soon as, as soon as Naaman recognizes there's a cure, he goes, oh, I can handle this. He goes to the king and he says, hey, give me a letter. 
He says, let me get a, a letter of recommendation. And so he, he takes every ounce of respect that he has earned from all of the victories that the Lord has given. He, he takes every good work that he's ever done. He jots it down on paper as if he can buy his way into the book of life with it. He rolls it up and he'll take with him silver and gold and 10 changes of clothing, which if you're going to count it alongside the 6,000 shekels, it's probably more than like a bunch of t-shirts with fancy writing on them and they were really comfy and, and said something witty. Uh, like, I'm with stupid. Um, but he heads off then to go and see the king of Israel. Yes, it's a, it's a real thing, but Naaman feels equipped to handle it. Look at all the stuff he can gather together. Look at all the things he can rally for it. He takes his whole entourage with him too. Uh, you want me to continue there? I guess. I jumped ahead a little bit. Let's keep going. No, that's okay, because I actually didn't read all of chapter or verse 5. Yeah, do I it. I didn't talk about that, so that's on me. Uh, you want me just to go through like uh, 7? I'll do that. 5 through 7. The rest of 5 through 7. Perfect. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. That's interesting that the king here... He knows. Well, both kings have a complete misunderstanding, right? Uh -huh. If there's, if there's going to be, from the Syrian standpoint, if there's going to be a uh, great holy man in uh, in Israel that's going to be able to save Naaman, it's obviously going to be the king or somebody right there. Yeah. Yeah. So he go, he tells the the king, uh, uh, heal me, and then the king's like, oh great, this is uh, he's he's doing all of this uh, just so that he has reason to war with me. I'm in trouble. Right. He knows that he's unequipped for this. The king of Israel recognizes this is a bad thing because I don't know how to do this. Um, but how, how do I send Naaman back with leprosy, the great commander of the army that could smash us to bits? I'm going to tell him, <laughs> yeah, you're on your own, buddy. I, what, what do you do with this? So so he tears at his clothes. Uh, except the thing is, um, he, he wasn't supposed to go to the king. He, he was supposed to go to the prophet. Yeah. But again, who knows that, right? Well... He go to the king. Everyone who heard the girl. No, she doesn't say go to the king. She says go to the prophet. But I, I, no, I, you're right. You're right. They, they, they screw up and they, they should have found the prophet or, or asked about the prophet. But, but they, it's, it's kind of like the wise men, right? Where do you go when you're looking for the Messiah? Well, you go to Jerusalem, of course. See, this is, this, is, this is it. This is what Naaman's biggest problem is. Naaman's biggest problem is not actually being a leper. It's what he thought of his success. See, Naaman figured that anything could be bought or earned or, or traded for. The, the leprosy is not a problem. Listen to the little slave girl. There's a man in Samaria who can cure your leprosy. Just go there. It'll take care of. Naaman's problem is that he can't bring himself to receive it in this way. Naaman's so successful that he figures any help from God has to look only like that. But this is, this is how we interact with the law, right? Like, this is the thing about the law. If you want to be known by your works, if you are very, very good, you can impress a lot of people. But is it actually enough to tag on that little afterthought of a label that will kill you? Sinner. 
The wages of sin is still death, no matter how many people you impress. Leprosy will still get Naaman, no matter what. Well, and I think this is also probably the way that we deal with, you asked if this, isn't this the way that we, we deal with the law, but I think this is the way that we deal with the gospel as well. I mean, we're going to yeah. see, uh, we're going to see later on uh, how once trouble. he finds Elisha, spoiler alert, he finds the prophet. Um, <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, when the prophet says, do X, Y, and C, and you'll receive uh, this grace from God. And he's like, nah, I doubt it. Right? Isn't this how we we deal with the gospel? Right? The God actually lays forth. Uh, Here is the way in which I am going to save you, mm-hmm. and we say, eh, "I bet there's a better way." Got to be a better way. And this is this is kind of where God has to step in again because everybody's stuck again. So in the same way that Naaman was busy doing Naaman stuff and like winning wars and doing all sorts of cool celebrity stuff, uh, uh, God has to interject through the voice of a, a, a an Israelite girl. That's all we we don't even get her name. Um, yeah, the nameless one. The nameless one. And again later, um, Naaman's standing in front of the king of Israel, and they're just sort of staring back and forth at each other and pointing because Naaman thinks the guy can cure him, and the king knows full better that uh, full well that this isn't going to go well. And Let's keep going. Verse 10. Okay. Eight. Verse eight. No, eight, right? Yeah, eight. But when Elisha, the man of God. This is your name. Get it together. (laughs) Oh, You're having flashbacks from every substitute teacher you've ever had. I hated my name as a kid. That's why I went with Eli. Everyone called me Elisha. So I switched to Eli, and then they started calling me Ellie. Doctor's offices, appointments, every first day at the new grade that I'm in. Oh, it was the worst. And I went to Lu- I went to Lutheran high schools and Lutheran grade schools. I'd walk in there freshman year. This is, you know, the first time that I've ever had like six teachers at once. Had your cool, cool trapper keeper ready to go. Four of them. Four of them. Elisha. Elisha. We are at a Lutheran high school. Are you kidding me? I'm a prophet. <laughs> How am I the socially awkward one out of the two of us? <laughs> uh, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. How far do you want me to go? Keep going. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. He sends his messenger. He doesn't even go out there. No. (laughs) Keep going? Yeah. Uh, How far? Uh, One more. All right. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, or Yahweh his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. <laughs> this is how we, we sort of butt up against religion. We, want, we go in with all of our best letters of recommendation and every good thing that God actually gave us in the first place, even our good works, which he did through us in the first place, and we take them to him. We're like, see, don't I get a cookie? And Elisha is not a salesman. 
He's not a guru. He's not waiting for a letter of recommendation or gold or silver or anything else. He is here to give the Lord to sinners. And so he interjects where uh, there's this sort of awkward standoff between the king of Israel and Naaman. He steps in because it's not actually about power. It's not to be found in the king's chamber. It's about mercy. It's going to be found in the muddy water. So send the leper here. And this is where Naaman's problem gets in the way. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Right. Uh, there's supposed to be uh, a lot more pomp and circumstance to this saving business, Elisha. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come out and do a little dance for me? No, it's not do a little dance. It's, no, it's, he's not so. being trite. No, I think he's actually. No, I don't think he's being trite. I think he's being. Listen, this is pomp and circumstance, yeah. right? I thought do he would come out. He would view me, dance for do a me. Spell exactly. Give me some high right. church liturgy. Wave some incense, light the candles, chant. Uh, we, we think that we can somehow add to God's good gifts instead of just point to them. Right. And so, yeah, so, so he, wants, he wants the guy. And he wants the guy to come out and do really impressive stuff. And the word of God is so powerful that the messenger of the prophet, not even the actual prophet, he just goes send the messenger out, tell him, go dip in the Jordan water seven times. You'll be fine. Go home. It'll be good. This, yeah. this simple word of God tied to the simple means of the water cannot possibly be enough. This is why Naaman's greatest problem is not leprosy. The leprosy is really easy to deal with right now. Seven dips in the Jordan, y'all. All done. All better. Naaman's greatest problem is his success. He wants to live by the law so fully that he cannot receive the free gift of the gospel if it happens to be not to his standards. Yeah, if it's not flashy enough. If it's not... Just, yeah, put some bling on it. Yeah. He was willing to walk away from the thing that would cure him from the thing that will kill him. Well, the thing is, he's willing to walk away from it, but I I think his issue uh, is that he doesn't believe that such simple, uh, straightforward things can do it, right? The word of the Lord saying X, Y, and Z, that, that surely can't be enough. It has to be greater than that. Right. That's because of how much he trusts in his work. Like, this is what he brings. He brings his, his letter written by the king full of all of his good deeds, his, his money, his entourage, his chariots. He, if he's looking for power, he's looking for power in the same thing that's given him that everywhere else he's gone. And so jumping in the Jordan seven times and calling it a day doesn't sound right. Yeah, just backtracking a little bit here, too. Um, mm just from a, a historical context, and we don't have to go down this road very much, but um, if you remember, this is in northern Israel, right? The the, the two nations are, are split, so we've got nothing but bad kings who uh, are at the very least are uh, taking Yahweh and, and joining them with other gods, uh, and at the very most, just completely disregarding Yahweh. <clears throat> and so we've got, uh, we've got Elisha here, uh, Who's, who sends word to the king, says, uh, hey, hey, send him down here, right? So that you may know, so that he may know, and wink, wink, so that you may know mm-hmm. that there's a prophet here of the real Yahweh. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal this Naaman guy, uh, and then you won't get destroyed by his army. But you won't trust in Yahweh anyway, so don't, don't what does that matter? I think that... <laughs> I, I think that the, the Lord actually wants his word of mercy out so much that he's even willing to give it in front of evil kings and unbelievers who, who would Absolutely. not receive it. 
He, he is Absolutely. so intent on even these kinds of sinners being exposed to the word that gives life and mercy and salvation that he would have it cast to even these. The, the problem stands then when we want it to look like more. And we have the same problem today in church. Uh, I, 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 have, I have cancer. Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Well, die with Jesus and rise with him. Go to the doctor, but let's pray. Here's the body and blood of Jesus for you. Live in your baptism and know that even this cannot bear you. And, and they're like, nah, I'm going to go to a faith healer. We get the whole crowd. And, and these things look ridiculous, but they, they offer power in the same measure that we would expect it to be. I paid lots of money to the church, so now God will love me. I, I went and there was, there was all of the emotion, all of the enthusiasm of, of the room. Uh, we, we do it even without the serious things. We, we, we figure if we can dim the lights just so and run the smoke machine and, and put the right music on in the background, we can actually create something that people will feel like has value, as opposed to God's word, which had value even if it was in the filthy Jordan River. Or uh, we can create something and do something that is going to move God. Yeah, right. if we just pray enough of the offices, if we chant everything, if we light all of the candles. So you can do this on both sides of the spectrum of, of, of right. sort of where you see Lutheran worship today, too. Uh, right. if, if you think that you can somehow raise up God's word instead of point to God's words, and those are the distinctions. The reason that we do the things in church is not so we can somehow raise up God's word to make it more than it would otherwise be, but to point to the fact that this simple little word, which is so easy to miss, really does do all this stuff. Yeah, and... I mean, we just, we see this is our natural inclination, not just, it's everybody's natural inclination. Just go back to Elisha's predecessors, or predecessor, Elijah, uh, when he had the uh, the uh, uh, standoff with the prophets of Baal, right? Mm. Just look at what the prophets of Baal did. Uh, they, for hours upon hours, uh, were just trying to, to make this worship experience, although they were reaching out to Baal, but they were trying to make this worship experience so that their God would, okay, we've done enough. We've shown him enough, and now he will give stuff to us. That's just our natural inclination. If we can prove to God and show enough who we are and how much we love him, then he will have to do stuff for us. When we're willing to hold out to that vain hope, even in the face of how things look, rather than cling to the promise of, of God that it exists where we would not rather look. Because old Adam would rather die by the law than live by grace. Old Adam would, would rather cling to this vain hope of this thing, even in the face of death, certain death, than live by the promise that God's salvation exists here, in, 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 that, in the muck, in the mire, in, in the filth that is the cross. Because this is how God gives grace. It, it's different from what the world would expect. It, it's lowly. It, it is Jesus who fulfilled the whole law, who in, in his actions is more worthy of praise than Naaman or anyone else, but was still beaten and, and mocked and spit upon. He is made to be lower than the criminals who hung on either side of him because this is what grace looks like. It's Jesus dying on a cross for lepers and for sinners, for Naaman, for me, for you. This is where the law is fulfilled, not in Naaman's works, but in Jesus, because Naaman's right. The cleansing isn't free, but it's a gift. It's a gift paid for by Christ who pays in, in his blood. Oh, nice. Even though he doesn't realize that it's, that it's, yeah, I get that. No, that's nice. It's not free. It's, but the price has already been paid for. Right, that's because that's, nice. that's, that's where miracles come from. Miracles are never free. Miracles are never free. It's not like God sometimes feels like doing a miracle. Pop, you get a miracle and sometimes doesn't. Miracles all have a cost. 
Because to, to do the miracle is to undo something in creation, something that was broken by sin. If you want to heal somebody sick when they're a sinner, and that's the wages of sin is death, the root cause that the miracle needs to address isn't they have leprosy, it's that they have sin. They have sin. Nice. So Jesus pays for the miracles. He pays for it with his blood. Naaman's miracle had a cost. It cost one death of God, not just to fix his leprosy, but to fix his sin. And this means that when we struggle with these things and we go looking for the flashy cures and we come up empty, we can recognize that not only has God promised you a miracle, but he has already paid for your miracle. And you're right, you might have to wait until the other side of the grave to see it in the resurrection, but it is coming. And you know it because it's already paid for. It's not a maybe. It's a most certainly true. As surely as Christ is risen from the dead, as surely as you are baptized. Your salvation is, is clear. Your life cannot be destroyed by something as pitiful as death or disease because Christ has borne you through. Yeah, yeah. No, it's beautiful. Through the muck and the mire, through the ugly parts. But this is where the resurrection is. This is where the, the hope is. How do I know it's for me, though? How do I know? Oh, you're Baptist. Oh, you've been dunked in the Jordan seven times. Because God doesn't want you to try and find it in your heart. There'll be one of two things in your heart. All of, all of the pride of Naaman for all of his works or all of the despair that he has when he realizes he can't buy the one thing that he needs so much. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's beautiful. It's, it's, it's all in that water. The water isn't magic. I think that's why he uses the Jordan. Because Naaman's right. The far part. Oh, keep going. Verse 12. Sorry. I just want you to pronounce them. <laughs> Verse 12, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Naaman's right. The Jordan's nasty. Um, that's okay. God is willing to work inside of the nasty. Well, was it nasty back then? It's clearly not clean. Otherwise, <laughs> Naaman would have been fine with it. What, no, I'm just saying, he didn't say, like, go to the spa. <laughs> no, I get that, but... Hold on a second, because I've, I've heard, and I'm not trying to throw a wrench in this whole thing, but throw I've heard wrench. that too. And, yeah, and, you and I, I've heard pre the present day Jordan is not the uh, most pristine of rivers. I've heard that. But I guess my question back then is, uh, was it that way back then? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But also, you've got this guy, I think maybe he's got an issue too, right? Because he's... he's uh, contrasting the river of the Jordan, so the river of Israel with the river of Damascus, which inevitably, uh, yes, this could have happened anywhere. Yahweh could have said, just find some water and do this, but he's tying it to the Jordan, right? He's tying it to a specific uh, a specific water. That's not to say today's Jordan is, is, is better, but uh, the water itself isn't magic. It's God's word to that water. It's no, 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 no. That water there, baptismal water, that's the water. Or that water there, the Jordan. I could have said the Parfar, but I said the Jordan. So go to the Jordan. It's that one because I said so. Mm -hmm. It's not the water. It's, it's the word that does all the work. But when the word of God that does all this stuff is joined to something, that something matters now. And right. so if it happens when to be the Jordan. When it's tied to the Jordan. 
right. And so even then, when it's tied to the prophet, or even the messenger who's speaking on behalf of him, when it's tied to the little wafer that we call bread or the cheapest wine we can buy in bulk that then becomes the blood of Christ, when God joins his word to something, that something becomes precious. And you can tell, because even though it doesn't look like much, even while it's working, it works. The Jordan doesn't become cleaner when Naaman steps into it. it it's still the Jordan. But yeah. Naaman's flesh is made to be like a newborn baby. It is undefiled. It is resurrected. Oh, those are some, those are some bold words you're using there. Oh, snap. <laughs> it gets more offensive, though. It gets more offensive. Because as soon as Naaman pops up out of the river, what's the first thing he does? Well, then he returned to the man of God. This is verse 15. Mm -hmm. He and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. It's, it's even more offensive because Elisha goes and he makes the gift free. Naaman wants to buy this thing, but gold and silver are not enough. This cannot be bought with gold and silver. It has to be, it has to cost more. Like, I don't know, the holy and precious blood, the innocent suffering and death of the only son of God. Yeah. What, Naaman, what you, what you have, uh, it's not going to be good enough. You got Monopoly money. It's okay. not good. But you, you don't need it. Yeah. Don't worry free. about it. Yeah. It's free for you. Right. It's, it's the free only, yeah, it's, it's free for you. Um, it, it's, it's, it's this great reversal that of all of the things in the world that Naaman put so much stock in that actually made his leprosy an afterthought and how all the world saw him, not a single one of them was enough. But you know what had more value than all of the gold and all the silver and all the clothes and all the entourage and all of the good works written up in a letter by the king of, Assy of Syria, the most powerful nation. The, the one thing that had more was the word from a nameless little slave girl. But at the same time, she's, she's known as something before anything else, too. She, she has an identity before slave girl. She's an Israelite. She was, she was a child of God. She is a daughter of the promise. And so you can say whatever you want to about her. Her identity here is, is actually more, more grand than Naaman for all of his victory and all of his valor and all of his many deeds. She is a child of God. And from this place where God would bestow gifts comes more good than anything Naaman could ever do. Here, here comes forgiveness and life and salvation. Here comes the promise of baptism. Here comes the, the, the hope of, of something that death itself cannot destroy. All of it from a, a nameless little girl who would be labeled in the, the most despicable ways because she is not only a, a little girl. She is not only she a slave. Uh, she, she's nameless here. But God insists that she be known first and foremost as his child, like you in your baptism. It's, uh, you know, we as, as, as Lutherans or, or Christians, uh, hopefully we're, we're taking a look at Naaman and we're just kind of shaking our heads and be like, oh, Naaman, don't you get it? It's, it's free. It's for you. But maybe there's a point of us that don't, doesn't do that. Um, I know I, I'm a sinner and I... I screw up all the time with my understanding of the gospel, but you can't help but uh, but feel sorry for Naaman here, um, because every other religion, uh, man-made, 
which is, you know, my own personal religion that I've made up with God or whatever pagan religion Naaman was used to. Uh, he understands, oh my goodness, there is the one true God now. All the rest of the gods, uh, they're false. They're nothing compared to the one here, uh, this Yahweh. Um, and so I must now do what you do for all the gods. You either have to earn their favor through their through your works, or once they give you something, you have to compensate for that. You've got to pay for it. I mean, this is his natural thought, and this is this is the thing of the law. It's it's, uh, yeah, you you either have to earn the 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 gift, and then it's not a gift, or you have to uh, pay the price for the gift, and then it's not a gift. That's bait and switch. He's still re- he's receiving this gift in the Jordan, and he still has to be told this again and reminded of this by the prophet. Of no 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 no, nope, it's free. You don't get it. It's free for you. It's not about you, Naaman. It's not about your gold. It's not about uh, your uh, military victories. It's not about any of that. God doesn't want any of it. What he wanted was your leprosy, and he took it from you. So you're all good. You're square. I like that. The only thing we give to God is our sin. And here he gives us an identity apart from it. God gives good gifts to sinners. And this is even the thing that we can start to see when, when you caught it in the very first verse, that it was the Lord doing all these good things through and for Naaman in the first place. God yeah. gives good gifts to sinners. So then the, nab- the the labels can fall away like Naaman's leprosy, not because we earn it, not because we buy it, but because God gives good gifts to sinners, to lepers and to little slave girls and to, to me, to you. Nice. Do you want me to finish up with 17? No, I, I want to quit here. This is good. <laughs> It gets weird at 17. So, uh, <laughs> no, it does. Naaman, Naaman comes back around to the servant, and, and uh, he, he goes, there's got to be something we can give you. Um, uh, we're, we're only going to uh, offer yeah. to the Lord. Um, there, there's got to be something we can give you. And eventually. Yeah, let's, let's leave it. Let's just it gets too there. crazy. That's a, that's a whole other podcast yeah, going, we, going further. Well, that, that's another story for another day and probably not ours. Uh, but but here, Naaman, Naaman sees the good gifts given from God, and he clings to them. He lives in his baptism. That that's enough. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. He's he's finally gotten to the point where he he realizes it's it's not about Naaman. It's about Jesus. It's about Yahweh for him. Well, he struggles beautiful. with it too. But that's well, actually a good gift because that's just it. It's not now that you're a Christian, you, you'll make no more bad mistakes. You'll never do anything stupid. Yeah. I'll, I'll never doubt uh, that it's Jesus for me. <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and doubt that uh, today. But it doesn't matter. It is Jesus for me. And he'll remind me that. And he'll give himself to me. And he'll forgive me when I think it's still about me for him. Over and over and over again. Yeah. This is, this is our God. Noice. All right. We out.